0: the ESA cast. I'm your host, Reed, and I'm joined by my partner, Rad. Hey, everybody. And we're coming up on one of the bigger game release seasons of the year, aren't we, Rad? It is a crowded field
1: right now. So we're looking at, uh, of course, I'm going to bring up Dark Souls right. for the Switch. Um, hugely excited for that. Um, Actually, just got the new Bard's Tale game. Enjoying okay. that so far from uh, the folks at In Exile. Brian Fargo been making games for a long time now, so uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff coming out.
0: Yeah, and you know the Call of Duty, break, uh, Call of Duty Blackout yep. beta went on this past weekend, and that was fantastic. That's one of the big Christmas November games that just was so well received. Really excited to see when that comes out. I've also got a new Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It's really one of those times of the year when the biggest games are coming out but it's also a time of year when people are traveling a lot. So you don't always have a lot of time to sit down and just play these games on the go. But that's why we brought on our guest, Andrew Sampson, who's the CEO of Rainway. You ever heard of this company before? Yeah, fill me in. All right, so Rainway is a platform that lets you stream video games from your home PC to any computer or laptop you own. So for example, you could be on the road with your ThinkPad and you could play Overwatch using the internet and your home CPU. So he goes into how that happens. You can actually use your CPU Hardware at home to process and run the game, and then the internet transmits it, and you play it on your laptop. He's got a much more uh, tech in you know, real understanding of how it happens. But it's an interesting conversation because this is something we're seeing pop up in other services. PlayStation Now has this sort of thing. The NVIDIA Shield is very much like this, except connected with a tablet.
1: And I've I've had a Shield for years now. I love it. I use the game streaming, so I'm familiar with with the concept and the technology. And, you know, you're right. I remember, especially after this last E3, streaming was one of the most popular topics to come out of the show, just among gamers and fans, but also investors and you know VCs and people who are looking at the future of the industry. So, this is very timely.
0: Yeah, and it makes sense because every device can connect to other devices now. They can take advantage of the CPU power. It's something that I, I think we're going to see becoming more of a trend and it's great to be able to talk to someone who's at the forefront of that trend. So, we hope you enjoy that. After the, after the interview, we're going to have a little bit of talk about the Nintendo Online Service and, of course, PlayStation Classic. We'll see you guys Guys, in a bit. And we are here for the interview portion of the ESA cast. I'm joined by Andrew Sampson from Rainway App. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So just real fast for people who aren't familiar with Rainway, because it's a
2: newer app out there, what is Rainway App? Rainway is a web-based game streaming application that enables users to play their favorite games that they own across a variety of devices. So if you want to play games like Overwatch on Mac or Linux or your cell phone, you would use our application to do that.
0: And so that that actually was something I wanted to follow up on, was that if you were like a Linux user, user, you could play PC games like Steam games that essentially needed P- a PC OS on your Linux through the, through the streaming. Yeah. That's really impressive. Now, just to get in the nuts and bolts in that quickly, how does that work?
2: So Rainway, you install our desktop agent on your computer, and then we find all of your games and then we stream them from your desktop at home to your other device when you want to play. So it's like a platform where you not like, I don't want to say Steam where you're
0: buying games, but you're loading up and you have your library listed there, you can install yeah update check on things
2: we like to refer to ourselves as a middleware we sit between the user and all their games and then enable this cross-platform gaming experience
0: and then so say for user like me on my Surface Pro 4 here we're in the lobby here I could load up the secondary Rainway app to connect to the one my main PC at home and stream my games whatever whatever's on my PC just
2: pop open uh, Chrome type it go to the web app and you'll be playing in a couple seconds so is that only PC games right now it is
0: only PC games right now but are, are you considering bringing the app to say let's say Nintendo switch or Xbox uh, one where you could stream I mean they have streaming services like for the Xbox live and Xbox play anywhere but this is very different
2: so, so we want to bring the Rainway client to as many platforms as possible so we're working on Android and then the Xbox one app we're working on should be out in 2019 um, of q one okay gotcha so
0: real fast question on that though is what makes Rainway streaming different from other streaming services we've seen uh, Nvidia do the Nvidia S.H.I.E.L.D., we've seen uh, Microsoft want to do game streaming through Xbox Live and Windows 10. Uh, we've seen PlayStation Now and Gaikai and the cloud networks. It's something that I feel like companies have been dabbling their toes in and kind of testing the waters of this could be a future way of delivering or playing games. So what is it that kind of, what is it that you think is going to
2: kind of help to set it apart and kind of break the mold there to make this work? So if we look at two sides of the coin, if we look at the technological side of things, we've built this really. Really uh, fast uh, graphics yeah. pipeline that we call MSG. Okay. Um, so it stands for Motion Stitch Graphics that enables us to capture what's on a user's screen like in, in single-digit milliseconds, basically every time the screen refreshes. And then we can uh, put that through our encoding pipeline and encode video super fast, faster than most of the other competition that's out there. Okay. And because we can leverage a user's existing hardware, we can either use their primary graphics card in their rig, or in some cases is we can use like the Intel CPU to encode and keep the load off of the game. And all these like mini optimizations allow us to then um, go out of the encoding process and move on to the preparing data for the network. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a proprietary uh, messaging framework we built that allows us to serialize data in milliseconds again um, and get it and send it over the network. So really all, what all this amounts to is that we're doing stuff so quickly mm-hmm. that when it comes time to send it over the network, the very variables can be adjusted for it. And so just
0: to uh, correct me if I'm incorrect, but essentially what really kind of stands apart is like an NVIDIA Shield, great little tablet that can stream from your PC to your tablet and play games. However, it's using NVIDIA Shield hardware. This, You are allowed to choose your Intel GPU or your CPU or whatever you really have in your CPU or or the web base.
2: Correct. Yeah, you can, when you have the Rainway uh, dashboard installed on your desktop at home, you can use your AMD GPU, your NVIDIA GPU, or your Intel CPU. Um, The hardware configurations are endless. How difficult is it to develop
0: something like this, knowing that, I mean, I always hear from developers like, oh, there's PCs, and we have this graphics card, and this graphics card, and we have this language, and this language, and it can be a bit of a headache. This is streaming like all games. Is it a
2: headache? How has this come together? So building the technology to work across all these different hardware providers has been a monumental task, mm-hmm. um, but because we had such fast traction and our growth, we're almost at 86,000 users, Okay, we've been able to collect a lot of telemetry telemetry on just how it's operating on different hardware and we can optimize on the fly for uh, when we see this graphics card isn't performing as well as this graphics card and that's allowed us to scale our technology exponentially uh, to work well across all systems. Has
0: it been difficult with the advances in graphics card and changes in how graphics like how graphics cards are working and how much how much they're processing or have you found that the technology is actually easier to work with these days than
2: it was five ten years ago? It is much easier to work with these days than it was a couple of years ago um, though to any like a uh, graphics card Developers listening out there documentation would help <laughs> it's always good to have really what are the biggest challenges to this style
0: of video game delivery
2: I think that just getting the end-user to realize that this is possible now is probably the biggest like hurdle we have to get past um, we've solved a lot of the technological challenges and we've built this really plug-and-play experience where a user can just log in see all their games click and start playing and so we don't have to worry about IP addresses or port forwarding and to the user it just works um, but to a lot of users there's the concept of game streaming is tainted, mm-hmm. and they see it as a subpar experience. So it's just a lot of marketing trying to make them figure, let them know you can do this now. Yeah, and I remember because I did, I got to try the Ringway app. I tried it with Overwatch, and it worked
0: great. And I was really surprised because I was most familiar with my PlayStation 4 and doing the console to PlayStation Vita streaming, and that was really innovative and cool. And I thought this is a great idea, but there was there were limitations being too far away from your console, the the webs the internet not being fast enough, and so I think you were right. is that. Some people they looked at and said that's a great tool it's not a great like feature I'm gonna buy or think about immediately is that changing you
2: think? Well it's changing for us so from the very start we thought about we want people to be able to play anywhere not just within their home we want them to be able to play at school at work uh, we had one user during E3 he was, he flew from Hawaii to LA for E3 and okay. was using Rainway to play from his PC back home that's that's awesome yeah so we just want people to be able to play no matter what the distance is and, play very, and have it be a smooth experience So, (laughs) what do you...
0: I guess the the way I ask you is, today's games, let's think about a game like Dark Souls, a game that's very popular, but also kind of requires on fast reaction times, uh, and and there can be millisecond frames between being hit and getting half your health taken away. How do you kind of work around that, or is it difficult? Does it start where it's like you're developing, and it's a little laggy, or there's a little bit, and then you kind of figure it out, or is the technology just kind of really fast, and it just kind of pick this up and kind of not make it an issue, but make it not so much an issue?
2: so for us, we have to optimize at a, a wide level. We can't focus on certain games. We have to make it as fast as possible for all games. Right. Um, if we did have the ability to work with developers and optimizing, uh, that'd be great. But the way that we do it is just, like, make it so fast mm-hmm. that the overhead is minimal and the user can't notice. So um, for us, Dark Souls Remastered is actually in our top ten play games. Is it really? It is. So what are some of the games that are, like, top ten on Rainway right now? So the obvious number one is Fortnite. Okay. <laughs> of course. I mean, naturally, <laughs> Uh, Overwatch is number two. Um, I believe uh, WoW just got to the top three. Mm-hmm. And Monster Hunter World overnight, after its release on PC,
0: shot into the top five. What's fascinating to me is you're not describing games that I would say, I, want, I don't want to call them static, but they're, they're live. Other people complain with you, they require uh, dexterity, they require like knowing attack patterns and yeah. things. Things that you would normally go, wow, I don't want to have a half second of lag mess up my ability to fight. Yet, the four games you just listed are all games that are very heavily reliant on the internet and so to yeah. see them being heavily played and have this heavy internet component uh, for the most part, that's really fascinating to me and speaks a lot to the platform.
2: And it's, it's exciting for me too because at work we have uh, Rainway installed on Azure instance about 300 miles away and I use that to play Overwatch when I'm at work on my lunch break. <laughs> that's, really, that's, that's really cool. You mentioned you had about 86,000
0: uh, users. Correct. So what do you take away from that telemetry in this sort of beta, early alpha, not alpha, but beta testing, sort of getting out there, what lessons are you learning right now about your platform?
2: Yeah, um, I think the biggest lesson that we've learned so far is that we really need to focus on our development for right now, so actually we announced on Friday um, a lot of our new features that are coming. We're building a feature called uh, Party, which enables you to play video games that have local multiplayer support, like uh, like Overcooked, with your friends online Oh wow! uh, instantaneously. So that's one of the features we're building and we, we got a lot of feedback from users on the product and right now we're shifting purely into this like getting all these new features out and and so we can meet this demand and just the users what
0: what is the feedback you're really getting back from these beta users i mean you can read telemetry on what they're playing and how their hardware is handling games but really it's sort of i think
2: the word of mouth or the discussion of how they yeah this works or this doesn't work what yeah. are you hearing that's all that's how we're growing we haven't so all of our marketing efforts has been organic like grassroots and um, the word of mouth is spreading that Rainway is like the way to play. Mm-hmm. Um, the feedback that we're getting mostly stems around uh, of wanting additional features. That party feature I mentioned was one that people really um, advocated us to like move forward on after we mentioned it, like kind of at a high level. Um, and we're also getting feedback on this like uh, better ways to play. So people really want to see Rainway on Android. They really want to okay. see it on iOS, Xbox. Uh, they want to see it on the Nintendo Switch. Right. But there's no tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> I,
0: I saw like a vlog I saw a news article. It was it was about two hours old saying that Rainway was still considering developing on the Nintendo Switch, and you know, I saw that, I thought, that's just, I mean, it makes, I've been walking around PAX West, and all I see is Switches everywhere, yeah. and I just think if they were all connected to the Wi-Fi, they could be playing PC games on their Switch right yeah, now. Uh,
2: yeah, so early on in the development of Rainway, we actually built a prototype of Rainway that ran on the Switch, and mm-hmm. we show that off, and that got some popularity, and so now since then, Switch users have just been excited about the idea. On. Is it, so, but something that's
0: interesting is PC games, they have, de- like, let's take a game like Overwatch, WASD, normal controls, yeah. gaming, is what you would think of for PC. Uh, you can macro buttons to different keys if you wanted to. If you're streaming to a Nintendo Switch, is it too is it very difficult for it to recognize those controllers and that hardware that the Switch is running? Or is it all because it's streaming to the PC? It's actually like it's it's kind of an egg-headed question, but it's also like kind of fascinating to me is you could be on an Xbox, then a PlayStation, then a Switch and playing the same exact game, and those are very different control methods.
2: Yeah, so we built something we called iRoll and it's this a uh, controller emulation framework that sits right above the game. Okay. Essentially the game sees our framework as either an Xbox One controller, a DualShock controller, um, or a keyboard and mouse. And when we need to do input, we just map it to iRoll and then just pass to the game. Okay. And so it's just one in one. Gotcha. That's really neat. Um, I know we touched on it a bit, but I love the note, I
0: saw it on the website it says no new hardware. And I just, what has the reaction been when people are looking at this rightway app and they're going, wait, you mean I don't have to upgrade my GPU? I don't have to get a new video card. I don't need to go ask Fios to like up my uh, internet to the next, you know, data limit speed. That, what's been the reaction to seeing this no new hardware is sort of the tagline that I keep seeing on the site.
2: Yeah. Some people are in disbelief at first. Mm-hmm. They, they think, wait, I don't have to buy a $10 box and hook it up to my computer. They're just like, I just installed a software solution and and to them that's unbelievable but then they give it a shot and they're they're just blown away about the ability to just install it uh, this piece of software that makes such a magical experience happen what's the industry reaction been like have you taken this around to publishers
0: yet and started showing them what they could be doing with this is there interest in people working with you about having their games optimized for rainway yet or is that something that's kind of down the line as you're getting out of beta
2: that's definitely down the line Um, because we're in beta we're focusing purely just on the user experience right now, but we are having like initial conversations with a few different people to see if we can have potential partnerships.
0: What do you think it's going to take for gamers to get over the stigma of streaming? And I mean, you're seeing a lot of success now. The types of games that are in your top four are the games they want to be playing. So, you know, you almost feel like that should be enough. But what do you think is the next step to convincing them that like, hey, this is not just a novelty. This is a real option for you when you want to go play. Like I'll be
2: on vacation next week and I'll probably use randomly to play a new game to try it out why not, you know? (laughs) I think it's going to be stuff like that. uh, Convincing the user to take that first step and saying, hey, just try it. Um, A lot of, like, we saw a lot of success in our um, like visual marketing, so we put out a trailer right before we launched that kind of showed this vision for what we want to happen and that resonated well with people and getting rid of the stigma is just as simple as, hey, showing people working in, like, production in real-life environments, not in a a clean room.
0: What's, like, when you're showing it personally to, like, friends or gamers, what's their reaction when you're like try the streaming thing and they're like little iffy at first and then you're watching them come, it come
2: to life? So I, I think my best experience ever was showing it to a journalist um, and having him playing on an old ThinkPad and at first he seemed skeptical but then you just saw the smile come across his face as he was like wow I am playing Doom on a ThinkPad that's just big. I'm just thinking about how many ThinkPads I saw
0: on the flight out here to Seattle and now thinking about how many of them could be playing like Doom Eternal in a couple months yeah. so, you know, like and streaming that onto the old IBM ThinkPad. And and you can bet that's going to be one of our demos because I think that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's the that's like the that's like the uh, you know the Billy Mays tester uh, sort of thing when they're selling it, you know, like they're putting their hand under the tire and stuff like that. Yeah, so. and it
2: never the joke has never gotten old. That can it run Doom? And we're just throwing Doom on everything possible. That's fantastic. So I mean, you guys, you're still raising funding for this as well, correct? We actually just closed our seed round. We okay. raised one point five million dollars at the end of our uh, sorry July. Mm-hmm. So I think that like. People always hear about
0: young indies getting funding, young hardware companies getting funding. What exactly does funding, I mean, there's an obvious answer to that, what was the funding able to do? How do you take $1.5 million and go like, okay, we have this massive amount of angel investment, so to speak, what do we do to turn it into something profitable or useful?
2: Yeah. So hitting the ground running is is a good start. So for us, it's about finding and hiring the best developers that we can. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be a bit more difficult, like having money doesn't instantly make them come to you. And also you have to filter for culture fit before everything else Correct. Um, so that can make it especially hard but once you find those good developers the people that uh, resonate well with your vision it's about bringing everyone together um, and just making sure that milestones are very clear and then hitting them and so for like Rainway our biggest cost sink is employee salary in, ter- in terms of operational costs and that enables us to just hire good talent mm-hmm. Gotcha
0: so when do you guys think you'll be out of beta is like how long of a beta period do you think you'll be in or
2: how long is development going to take on this sort of thing yeah so I'm not a fan. Of perpetual betas, I think they're often used as excuses for buggy products. Um, so for us, we're shifting our, our focus from trying to grow our user base on what amounts to an unfinished product right now, and focusing on getting out of beta by the end of this year. Gotcha. Excellent. So, well, what's sort of next for
0: Rainway? I mean, what sort of features are you thinking of? I know you mentioned Party. What are sort of those, like, dream features that you've kind of had in your mind that maybe you're hoping to have add into the system now?
2: Yeah, so once we get, like, game consoles and most mobile platforms out of the way, I really Want to tackle VR? I think the ability to do wireless VR via Rainway's game streaming is going to be a a huge uh, feature for us. So how would that work? Yeah, so we would. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, so we played with this around when we started developing Rainway initially, and and essentially what we would do is emulate VR controllers or a VR headset on the desktop, and then use and then on uh, the phone, a phone which you would use, use uh, the VR extensions there to emulate a headset. Oh, so you could use like a Samsung Gear. Yeah. VR? Correct. That's
0: incredible. And play Vive games. So, so, But could you essentially not have the Vive, like say have the HTC Vive set but have the game installed and then use the Samsung Gear to play Said
2: That is correct. That's astounding. Yeah. So that's that's <laughs> we want people to not have to have a hardware barrier to enjoy their video games. Mm-hmm. And I think VR is that next space we wanna we want to tackle by allowing users to not drop six hundred ninety-nine dollars but still be able to purchase that game, support that creator, and 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 have fun. You know, just
0: kind of getting to the crux of it, what inspired you to make this app? What was sort of the genesis of why you wanted to get into games streaming instead of just making your own game or franchise or something like that?
2: So I've always been passionate about video games. Um, I spent most of my early early development career, working on free open source software that revolved around the PC gaming space. Um, And in 2015, my co-founder and I, we were working on a different product called Altarius. (laughs) It was remote administration software. You can manage a network of computers from inside of a web browser. Um, And one of our key features was screen sharing. Uh, What we found was everyone was downloading Altarius and using that screen sharing feature to play video games. So we were just like, okay, well, let's pivot.
0: (laughs) That's a fantastic origin story. Oh, my goodness so well we have one final question It's our fun question we do on the show and we call it the hardest question in the world and what it is is we want to know your favorite video game but there's some caveats we don't want to know if it's a franchise we don't want to know if it's an era we don't want to know that it was like oh it was when uh, Tetsuya Nomura was doing music on Final Fantasy so that time no if we just gave you a gut question what is your favorite video game of all time what is it go
2: Arma 3 why it is a game where you can have like really uh, realistic military simulation but it's also crazy enough where you can download a bunch of mods and have giant mechs fighting like Halo um, uh, Marines. <laughs> and it's just, it's crazy fun. Were you a big fan of modding growing up? Always, yeah. I, I actually recently created a mod for an old PS2 game called Area 51. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I gave it 16 by nine support. I rewrote the multiplayer so that you could go online again. It was a really fun like experience. That's really
0: cool. So I, I was, a, I'm a big fan of modding myself. Someone had asked me earlier this week, they said, what was the most influential thing Half-Life ever did in your life. And I said, Team Fortress Classic and Counter-Strike 1.6. Yes. I was like, I didn't even play the original Half-Life because modding was so important. Um, did you ever consider getting into sort of game dev or modding like that and not necessarily into the sort of streaming
2: style? I always wanted to like the idea of being a game developer, but I just found creating software utilities to be more fun for me. I guess the closest I ever got to it was like when I was in my teenage years, like building a RuneScape Private What's <laughs> what's the
0: what, what's the What's the best feeling you get out of making something like Rainway.
2: I I love the stories. I I like hearing users say, this did X. Like, this made uh, me able to play my games at my mom's house because my parents are separated. Or I was able to, like, have a crowd of people at school, like, gather around me while I'm playing Counter-Strike in the computer lab, which got to the front page of Reddit, actually. That's cool. I remember that, too. I remember seeing that. So it's just those experiences and knowing that the software that we helped create enabled that, it it pulls at my heartstrings sometimes. Nice.
0: What do you what do you do with that sort of, um, with those stories, that empowerment, that sort of feedback? What, what, do you, what does that do when you take it back to the office and start making the next, you know, build?
2: Yeah, it gives us real conviction. Like, it re- lets us know, one, that we're on the right path. Like, we are building something that users want and need. Um, and then for us, it just lights this fire inside of us where we, we know we need to go out and build the best product ever to keep getting stories like that happening.
0: How close do you think the games industry is to having streaming, I mean, being not just an option, but something that you might see on like an E3 stage as a major selling point of a new console, not just a side part or like a Rainway integration being something that is fans are like, I want this on my console or I'm not going to get it. I think we're right
2: around the corner. I think as time goes on, more and more users are going to want the ability to play their games outside of their home. Um, And like at Rainway, we're enabling that. I think like companies like Microsoft and Sony see that this is the future of gaming Um, and cloud gaming just like the. Revolution came for music, it came for TV shows, it came for movies, and now it's time for it to come to gaming. Gotcha. Hey man, really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us. This has been fascinating
0: because I tried it, and I'm not going to lie, I was a skeptic because I'd had my experiences with it, and I knew it was a good system. I knew, like, streaming games was going to be there, but I was like, you know what, I wonder if this is going to, and I was just shocked at how well I was playing Overwatch on a Surface Pro 4, uh, (laughs) playing, you know, my gaming PC back home in Virginia, and I was just amazed by it. So, really glad to have you come on and chat with us. No, absolutely. And uh, just real fast, where, where can people learn more about Rainway, download it, and learn more about when, it's, uh, when the next builds are going to be coming out?
2: Yes. If you want to download Rainway, just head over to rainway.io. And if you want to read up, read up on what we're working on and some of our cool technology, you can go to our blog at blog.rainway.io. And where can you and you can download it on the app stores right now or just to the website? Uh, it is a web app. So you just open up your web browser and you can start playing instantly.
0: That's amazing. So, Well, Andrew, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate you joining us and uh, looking forward to seeing more Rainway down in the future. Definitely. All right. Thank you to Andrew Sampson for coming on and talking to us about Rainway. That was a great interview. But now we're going to go right into some news. Rad, big news that came out. Nintendo launched their online system. The Nintendo online service just came out. You can play uh, $3.99 per month or $19.99 per year. You get online play for games like Splatoon 2. Uh, That also includes Mario Kart Deluxe. It has 20 NES titles and three being added per month. And you'll get to play all of those. Cloud saving. And you don't have to have this for Fortnite. So if you are a Fortnite player, you won't have to have this service to play online. But it will be something you're going to need for the mainline Nintendo games uh, some of the NES games you'll see are Tech Mobile, Super Mario Brothers and Legend of Zelda Brad what's your take on this
1: uh, it's you know they're joining uh, the other console manufacturers and having a dedicated online service and I think that's the way these things are going I think for a while there everybody was kind of wary of subscription services but I have always believed there's a place for those and it seems like that this is one of the places where they work the best is for delivering sort of a continuous service model so I'm excited you know, and I'm also really excited to be able to play you know, I was a big fan of the NES and the SNES Classic that they released but the idea of maybe getting to play some older Nintendo games um I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah, it's the vault. It's kind of like the Disney yeah. vault idea that people talk about, where they just have this vault of great games, and they can pull them out whenever they want. And I think the biggest selling point for me is not just having stable online servers. I love Xbox Live. I've always liked Xbox Live because I realized I'm buying into a, a climate and into an ecosystem that makes for better online gaming. Um, it's the 20 NES titles. In fact, you can play them on the go. Really want to see what they're going to bring out. A lot of these, some of them have been out on the Virtual console. There's no virtual console on the Nintendo Switch, so this is the new way of delivering it. It's gonna be really curious to see what games they bring out, and also from what consoles, because we know the Switch can do anything from right. a regular NES game to Dreamcast or N64 or GameCube games. Yeah, so that's a really exciting thing going on right now. Another big announcement was the PlayStation Classic. So I'm a, I, I'm
1: already gonna buy one of these. Um, the the conversation from now until when this launches is going to be about the games mm-hmm. which is what we saw with you know with all these other consoles that have done something similar to this where they release a, a catalog of older games on a new piece of hardware and they've uh, already Sony has already released with a they've already said what the first 5 games are and of course it's you know Final Fantasy 7's on there Wild Arms on there mm-hmm. so i think i mean like there's some I won't say they're must haves, but man, like, I got to get Metal Gear Solid. I have to have Castlevania on there. Um, Symphony Knight, um, Siphon Filter, one and two, some of the best, you know, two of the best PlayStation games, in my opinion, period. So I don't know. What are you looking for? It's going to gonna
0: be interesting because obviously there's licensee- licensing yeah. issues. So we don't know which games they still have licenses for. Uh, also, PlayStation was known for third party. It had a lot of first party games, but some of the games you've mentioned, like Wild Arms and Final Fantasy 7, were third party games. Right. And so that means that they've gotten some third party publishers to add their games to the PlayStation Classic. I also think, you know, I really want to see Gran Turismo on yeah. here. I want to see uh, maybe a siphon filter, like you had said, uh, Jet Moto, some of the older games from PlayStation that really define the PlayStation era. The one thing people have been talking about was the controllers. You Right. So, it's $100, 20 games, you get two controllers, they're not DualShock controllers. Now, if you don't know what that is, you're probably used to seeing a PlayStation controller or an Xbox controller with these analog sticks, and that's generally how you control yourself. PlayStation did not launch with right. that in their controllers, so games had to be built around that, and then later in the PlayStation's life, the DualShock was introduced, and almost every game adopted it. Right, but there is still a stable of games that were made before that controller
1: was released, and... Um, I- I wouldn't say that it, that forces what kind of games you can put on this piece of hardware, but it certainly limits you in some respects. Although I think there was only a few games that required mm-hmm. the use of the of the analog sticks, but still.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that you could probably figure out which games based on, well, what has Dual Shock and what doesn't. But regardless, that's 20 games, 20 kind of genre-defining games, $100. It's going to be a great nostalgia trip. Nintendo has been wildly successful with this model. Really excited to see Sony yeah. try it. I'm buying it. You're buying it? Day sold, one, sold. day oh one my purchase. gosh! All right. Well, you know how we always end it, Rad. What have you been playing? Uh, as I mentioned, I just got uh, the new Bard's
1: Tale, uh, which is a fantastic game. Having a really good time with that. Also, finally finishing up God of War. Okay. And I think all of the Spider-Man hype is finally going to get to me, and I will cave in and get Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, Spider-Man hype has just been. It's been. It's been nagging at me too. That game looks fantastic. Uh, screenshots of it are beautiful. Really can't think of any sort of game right now that just has as much talk going around it. Destiny 2 has been getting a lot of discussion because of its new expansion. Recently, no surprise, NHL 19 came out. My dad and I've been uh, we've been playing that a lot and really one of the best NHLs I think they've released has a great new system they're using the they actually they made a new engine. They're no longer using Frostbite which was used in the Battlefield games for uh, those games. They brought it over to sports. They've got something new. They got a whole new hitting engine. Really love the game. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. So So, well, Brad, it's been a great show. Thank you again to Andrew Sampson for joining us, and we'll see you guys next time. Talk to you later. Bye.